0: Welcome back to ESG Decoded. I'm Amanda Shea, one of the co hosts of this podcast. And today I'm looking forward to speaking with Diane Campus from PPG. Diane has been with PPG for 36 years in a variety of roles. And I'm so excited to learn from her, her experience, and in, in her latest position with um, PPG as. Um, leading their sustainability efforts. Diane, welcome to ESG Decoded Podcast. Thank you,
1: Amanda. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today. To start off, for any of our listeners who are not familiar with PPG, will you just give a quick overview of what the company, the company products, what, what it does and a little bit
1: overview of it? Sure, absolutely. Well, PPG is actually one of the world's largest coatings companies. We're based in Pittsburgh, but we're a global company with uh, operations in over 75 countries. And we actually um, publicly traded. We're almost $17 billion company in 2021 been in existence for nearly 140 years. Uh, In that time, PPG has really changed and transformed into the coatings company it is today. Uh, Previously, we made glass and chemicals and fiberglass and a number of different products. But today we largely sell coatings for a number of different markets, transportation, food and beverage, marine, oil and gas, chemicals, residential construction. So we sell paint and coatings in a number of different market spaces.
0: Wonderful. And tell our listeners a little bit about PPG's approach to sustainability.
1: Sure. Yeah, I think um, so. We'd like to say that PPG actually has been working on sustainability for decades and and really um, doing that through the products we innovate for our customers, products that help reduce uh, waste and water use and energy use. but. You know fundamentally our strategy starts really um, with our purpose so ppg's purpose is to protect and beautify the world it's a great purpose statement it's very simple and it works everywhere we apply our coatings around the world and so our approach is to align what we do to protecting the planet protecting people and beautifying the world and More recently, we've uh, created the position that I now hold. So this position uh, was only formed in July of 2021 as the Global Vice President for Sustainability. And at that point, our leadership decided it was time to make a bigger investment and get more attention and focus on this topic of sustainability, and also ESG more broadly. Previously, a lot of our activities were um, being managed across different organizations in the company, different businesses and functions, predominantly with the environment, health and safety organization. But the company decided it was time to to go ahead and assign a dedicated team of associates to working on how we can really elevate our impact on sustainability.
0: You mentioned that one of the things, the focus areas is really helping your customers Mm -hmm. improve um, their, and, and achieve their environmental goals. And I'm just, Thinking, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Is it all focused around, um, you know, greenhouse gas emissions and kind of carbon footprint products? Is it more focused on chemicals and safety? Or tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, we, you know, when I took this role and even in my prior roles in the company, Our objective to enable our customers' ability to achieve their goals is really based around a number of different impacts we can have with our products. So our products have the ability to not only uh, reduce energy use and greenhouse gas emissions, but they also impact, as you just mentioned, the the safety, right? We protect uh, people through safer products, safer chemistries. We protect food and beverages. Mm -hmm. So we provide coatings for the inside of beverage and food containers, that help food from spoiling. We improve the fuel efficiency of airplanes through many of our products we provide to the aerospace industry around adhesives and sealants and coatings. They actually lightweight the plane and allow the plane to use less fuel, therefore reducing Mm -hmm. greenhouse gas emissions. We contribute, we do the same actually for the commercial marine industry. Our coatings on the hulls of large ocean-going vessels actually prevent barnacles and seed life from attaching to the hull, which really means there's less drag and better fuel efficiency for that seed container. And again, that helps reduce greenhouse gas emissions. We have the ability with our products to keep people safe. We have products, coatings, that actually kill the COVID-19 virus on walls. surfaces where we use these products. We can use this product called, excuse me, we use a product that's actually used on surfaces in hospitals and schools and such to prevent the spread of viruses and bacteria. So there's a number of ways in which our coatings actually help to improve the safety, help to reduce emissions. Uh, We also have products for mobility, the um, electric vehicle battery packs Mm -hmm. that help to keep the batteries from... Of if there's a fire in a battery from spreading, so we have a battery fire protecting coating that helps the battery from igniting and spreading and to the car, the rest of the vehicle, so that the occupants can safely exit the vehicle in the event of an unintended fire. So we we have a number of products that work in a number of different areas to protect people and protect the planet.
0: I didn't realize there's that many applications. Thank you. I'm sure there's many more, you know, but thank you for, for those highlights because I was thinking about codings. So I was thinking, well, where could we where would they be used and what applications would they be? And there's definitely many on that list that I was like, Oh yeah, oh, oh right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, we do have a lot of products that actually do functional things and contribute in many, many ways. And actually, one of the things that our coatings, fundamentally, our coatings in industrial applications help to protect assets from corrosion. So if we're painting steel and we're applying different coatings, we can protect that steel from corroding. Therefore, you don't have to replace it as often, enabling better material efficiency. So part of the circular economy is extending the life of assets, which our coatings do as well.
0: What are um, maybe, I guess, two questions. There must be an R&D department then at pb g innovating all this stuff.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
0: okay. And Absolutely. is it usually that they have these amazing ideas and just think this is what the world needs? Or is it a customer says, do you have this? Or here's my problem. Um, do you have a coding for this? You know, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It's actually a little bit of both. Um, and, and we do get, you know, we do get a lot of input from customers and what we know they need. Often customers have a short term view, they need a problem to be solved today. And we're working on helping them with that. And when you combine that, so we also have what we call innovation forums with our customers, where we actually get our our best scientists in a room, with the customers who are thinking longer term about problems to be solved. And together they formulate ideas around, you know, solutions with coatings that can help uh, make a difference. And then we also have a group of scientists that that's what they do. They think a bit more longer term megatrends, what's happening in the world around us. You know, climate change and the transition to the low carbon economy is one of those areas where we're innovating and thinking about what will the world need in the future in this new low-carbon economy position, we're all going to be in. How might we use coatings to help solve some of those those bigger challenges in the world? When we
0: thinking about your supply chain, are there any interesting kind of trends that you're seeing? Any as a supplier to all these customers, anything that you could, any interesting trends that you've noticed, or in the past, let's say, twelve months that you could share?
1: Well, let me start by saying the supply chains are highly disrupted, right? I think we've all experienced that. You know, we, the automotive industry, as an example, is one of those chains that's been very, very disrupted by uh, microchip shortages and all kinds of chemical and product shortages in the supply chain as a result of the pandemic and everything that's occurred since then with the war in Ukraine. So those. Those trends are out there, they're probably more disruptive than they've ever been. So I would say one of the things that I'm noticing more and more is thinking more local about supply and and perhaps not shipping products as far and having to address those uh inevitable disruptions that can occur when you're moving product around the world from different places. So I think we also, you know, paint is an interesting and coatings industry because a lot of what we do, we do local in-country. That's why we're present manufacturing and selling in so many countries around the world, because we don't like to ship our products all over the world in order to deliver them to our customer. Therefore, reducing the carbon footprint, obviously, when we don't do that. But I do think supply chains and leaders of supply chain functions are looking at that today more than they ever have and really challenging themselves to say, do we really need to uh, acquire that part, that item from Mm. Asia and bring it to the U.S. or Europe and ship it to China? Can we do more locally? And I think that's that's an important shift for all of us to recognize. And then we need to, as a coatings company, be present to address those needs as local as we can in everything we do.
0: And Diane, I thinking about the operations, am I correct that PPG set a um, science-based target recently?
1: We, you are correct, Amanda, yes. In May of this year, so very recently, we, we actually committed to the science-based target initiative that we would be moving forward with targets that align uh, to the Paris Agreement, and we'll be Defining those goals, those new goals, uh, looking at 2030. Right now, kind of focusing on that near term and what we're going to do to drive down emissions to more near term targets. We'll be publishing those later this year. So we're excited about that because that's a that's a major step forward for PPG from where we have been. It's It really shows our commitment in this area.
0: Was that was were you getting a request from customers or is this really an intern more of internally driven um decision where we, you know, it's aligned with what we want to do our long-term vision and it's right for us, you know, it's it's authentic to what we want to do.
1: Can you speak a little yeah, bit about that? Yeah, no, absolutely it's more the latter. It's it's aligned to where we want to be. We want to be a leader in this area. Um, it's one of the things that our CEO said to me when he offered me this position. You know we want to step out and be more of a leader uh, even more than we have been, because this is the right thing to do for the planet, but it's also the right thing to do for the company we believe it's it's a it has great business value and great you know value to the next generation and the current generation. but we also have customers who are asking those questions absolutely. We do have many larger customers, larger. OEMs, industrial customers lot we sell to the electronic materials, Apple, Dell, Walmart. These are all customers of ours. And they are absolutely asking us to join us on their journey, right on their ambitions to accomplish their goals. So it's a bit of both. But I would say the decision to go to science-based targets, we really came internally as, as the next step for us on our journey to having a more sustainable future.
0: And if from kind of standing up or initiating this program more formally in June of last year to setting a science, you know, committing to the science-based target in May, that's really quick timing, (laughs) really aggressive. And if you, I mean, besides, you know, everything else that's been done too, but in this, getting the sustainability report on everything and working on the products themselves, it's a lot. Can you give any... What advice would you share to listeners who are tasked with building a brand new program uh, from scratch since you've accomplished a lot in 12 months?
1: Yeah, thank you uh, for that. uh, that. But but I will tell you that it's not, I didn't start from scratch. So I want to be clear (laughs) on that. We did have an ongoing effort. So that's okay. But we did, we have accomplished a lot in 12 months. And so to do that, you know, if I think back on when I started, I really did a lot of reading and educating and benchmarking myself in the first two to three months. Just what are the best in class companies doing today and how have they achieved those those goals? I actually quickly assimilated this down to three key elements that our program was going to create value for the company, protect the value of the company and enhance our brand. So those three were the three pillars under which I formulated my thinking around working with others on what the vision and strategy ought to be for the company. And I aligned that with our executives, first and foremost, right? The the true leadership, the CEO and and those that report directly to him, CEO minus one. Um, I was asked to present to the full board uh, within the first three months of being in the role. So, so a great opportunity is how I saw that to get in front of the full board very early in this role to share my thinking, those pillars, value creation, value protection, enhancing brand and reputation, and help them and help get alignment on why it was important for PPG to make the investment here. Mm-hmm. I'd highly recommend that Everyone look at their own company and I think determine where the value is, right? And where the key stakeholders are that you need to bring along on this, mm-hmm. on this journey in defining what the future state should be. It was absolutely clear that I had CEO support. He actually created the position. So I knew that our CEO was on board. It, it really, I haven't encountered quite honestly any resistance. So I'm very fortunate in that regard. But I was also given the latitude to build an organization and and to decide what that organization should look like and again i did a lot of benchmarking but i also recognized i had to put a structure together that works for ppg's culture and so i embedded resources into the business units and i for us that was critically important and is important that we now have people who work with the business teams in front of customers discussing needs in the market customer expectations that, that work hand in hand with the commercial organization to realize there truly is benefit in being a differentiated leader in the space. Through our innovations, through our products, through our services, I have spent more time talking to customers, really, and, and at both extremes, investors, both, mm-hmm. uh, than anyone else. And so the other part of the story I would say is that our investor relations leader asked me immediately to join him on ESG investor outreach calls. So again, within the first four months, I was talking to investors. And and in many ways, it was a learning opportunity for me. What, what were they looking for? What was important to that stakeholder? Mm. And then what were we doing to address that? And how could we just dialogue about what's important? So Investor outreach, understanding the value for your company, understanding what structure is going to make change happen fastest, and then really making sure you have leadership support. I mean, all of those things to me are critically important elements of an effective ESG approach and program.
0: I'm, I'm thinking about how you embedded um, your, as I say, sustainability team in the different business units. That's something that. I usually hear it happens at a later stage and maybe that's the one that kind of keys as well is that of how you, you know, achieve so much in, last, in such a short amount of time as well, I'm thinking, because a lot of times it is, it might be a small group and maybe depending on how big the organization is, but, you know, maybe it's one person, maybe it's run by a committee, but it's, it's not, it's maybe one person's full-time job, but it's everyone else's, you know, one of the many things they do. But maybe that's probably key. Maybe that's also a key thing as well. That's kind of as I'm reflecting what's different than, than some other organizations as well.
1: Yeah, I, I felt that many, many, well, I, I'm fortunate, I have 12 people, if I include myself. Many organizations have five or two or one, and some have many more, right? Mm-hmm. I think value creation to, for us was a key element of our strategy where can we truly create value for the company, for shareholders, for all the stakeholders, quite frankly. And, and for our organization, really tapping into that, where's the business value was an important aspect of our approach. It's not just about reporting results. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we have to integrate our ESG strategy with our business strategy. If they're not integrated we are not going to be successful. If I can't design a strategy over here and have the business organization doing something different over here and hope they come together in the future, yeah, hope is not a strategy for us. So it was important that I that we as a team build that integration right from the start. And and I'm I'm really happy we did because I can already see the opportunity, the value we are going to create for the company and how we're going to really elevate this subject in this area as we move forward as an organization. Because I honestly believe that connecting with our customers for us was a very critical step to take right from the start as we were building this, this new organization.
0: We've talked a lot about that first pillar of creating value and you mentioned the second one's protecting value. Can you tell me a little mm-hmm. bit more how you think about that and how it's different and share a little bit more about that?
1: Sure. Yeah. Value protection for from my definition was um, about risk mitigation. It's about we have um, climate impacts, right? So if you think the value of the company exists in the assets we have, we took a look at how is climate change going to impact our assets. So we worked with a third party and we did a global climate modeling study of 261 different PPG locations And we looked at it across six different climate stressors, sea level change, winds, precipitation, drought. And then we said, what are the most at-risk sites? And then we were working on resiliency plans. So to me, that's about protecting the value of those assets, protecting the supply chain for our customers. Mm. We want to do what we can to ensure that as weather patterns continue to shift, which we see every day anymore on the news, we all hear it, we're thinking ahead at making those assets more resilient so that our production operations aren't disrupted and therefore we don't disrupt supply to our customers. So we looked at it that way. We looked at the the value, the, excuse me, the escalating value of carbon, right? So Mm -hmm. carbon is going to have impacts to how we do things. It's going, there could be a tax, right? There could be penalties associated with emitting carbon. Those are ways in which we have to protect the value of the company by looking at all of those different impacts and thinking about it with a lot more focus than we have in the past.
0: I'm located in Houston, Texas, so we kind of yeah. get <laughs> Everything thrown as from apparently freezes and yes. um, hurricanes and just you know lots of thunderstorms and or it's been super hot this summer so um, you understand I'm like, it I'm like probably whatever locations like in Houston is probably on one of those you know on the top of the list or one of the you know
1: <laughs> absolutely is the winter freeze in Houston Texas last year had a devastating effect on the supply chain.
0: It, uh, yeah, it's surprising. And we still, I think just, yeah, there's, just, it's just surprising. We're so used to heat and hurricanes and lots of, too much water, let's say, and a <laughs> lot of wind that that was the kind of definitely off guard. But thank you for sharing that a little bit of how you think about that second pillar as well. Do you mind sharing a little bit about the third pillar as well?
1: Yeah. So the third pillar really enhancing our brand and reputation. You know, as I I think about, you know, PPG has a lot of stakeholders, like most companies similar to Mm -hmm. PPG, and we've got to create an environment that our brand has real value and that customers who buy our products see us as a leader in this area, see us as a company that cares about the environment, that wants to protect the planet for future generations. I see it as a recruiting tool a retention tool, an investment tool, right? protecting the value and reputation so we can attract the best talent, keep the best talent, and that we have investors who want to put their money in PPG because they think we're good stewards of that capital investment. And we're doing it in a way that that it's leaving the smallest footprint as possible. So for us, I think enhancing our brand and really, you know, creating a positive reputation around everything we do, uh, is is absolutely also essential to to how we move forward in this sustainability area.
0: One last question, Diane. You've had a, a, an amazing career at BBG. um Obviously, you started out in a different area than sustainability. Mm-hmm. But what's your um, advice for someone who you know wants to you know achieve your level one day? You've had a really interesting. I think when I was reading your bio, it's like. I think she's I feel like you've worked in every business <laughs> you I don't know if that's really true, but is almost <laughs> gee, I you know, I think about myself and you know, I took a kind of zigzaggy way into sustainability as well as I'd say. And I think all those experiences help me see it in a more holistic fashion. In a way that how can we help multiple, achieve multiple goals with it? It doesn't have to be just for the environment or just for the people. Um, You know, it can be, we can achieve so many multiple goals with it. And I think, yeah, with the kind of experience I had, it helps me to understand what those components could be. But will you just share a little bit about what you're, what would you advise if there's someone who wants to get into sustainability, maybe when they become also the global uh, vice president? Sure.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I, I definitely have had a very uh, diverse, and uh, yeah. and for my benefit, fantastic career. I've been able to stay with one company, which I recognize most people don't do today. But in that thirty-six years, you know, because I was an uh, operations manufacturing for a third of my career, I actually was a plant manager of one of our larger chemical plants, and 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 I was in. Um, environment, health and safety, and I did diversity work actually during my career, amazingly, as a chemical engineer. And I ran businesses uh, and did supply chain and a number of different things. I have had the opportunity to really see the challenges and the opportunities from all of those vantage points. And like you, Amanda, all of that has allowed me, I think, to to be selected for this position because I can bring all of that to bear and I have a very well-rounded understanding of the opportunities and challenges we face. I I would say that from my experience, and I'd encourage any young person, if they're an engineer like I was, to really broaden their experiences that way. Don't Mm. think myopically about getting from where you are to a sustainability role, without really considering how might I expand my learning and my work experiences through different assignments that don't just give me one view um, and one perspective on a ch- on, on this topic of sustainability, I, I really think my commercial background, because I've run large businesses, has really helped me even more than anything else I've done to think about sustainability through a business lens. So I I think for a lot of younger people in our company that have an interest in my role, who've approached me, I encourage them to do a lot of different things and have go sit, go be a salesperson, go see what it's like to sit on the other side of the table from the customer to understand their, their objectives, their expectations, their needs, service those needs, get that experience because that, that really helps, I think, build your credential and your resume to doing something that is as holistic as sustainability because I have the opportunity to affect the whole company in this job globally. And it's, it's a fantastic job at this stage of my career. I'm pleased to be doing it. And, and I'm, I care and I'm passionate about this subject. So that also helps, but I I really encourage people and, and young people in their careers to, to get some different experiences, to build a resume in this area.
0: Diane, thank you so much for being our guest. There's so many other things I know we could dive into. I'm like, oh, well, tell me more. I'm like, diversity work and being a female plant manager. Anyways, we'll save that for another (laughs) podcast, but thank you so much.
1: All right. Thank you, Amanda. Appreciate being here and having the opportunity. Thank you.